Okay, so this morning we are working through the Ten Commandments and we are up to the Third Commandment today. And uh, if you've got a Bible, uh, you can find it in Exodus 20 verse 7, but don't worry if you haven't got a Bible because I've got them on the screen. But it's Exodus 20 from verse 7. And I'm going to read them out. I've put two different translations up of this commandment. Exodus 20 verse 7 says this, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Or you may have it, that was the English Standard Version, you may have it in the New International Version, which says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Let's just pray for us for a minute. Father God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you even as we worship you this morning, just a wonderful sense of the deep affection of the Father as we we sing about standing in awe of you in amazement of the creator of the universe, of our Father, who welcomes us into his presence, who is for us, who has lavished grace on us. And we say, would you speak to us this morning? Would you come and open our hearts afresh to hear you, to hear your word, to to be changed as your Holy Spirit works in us and through us. Thank you, Father. Amen. (coughs) Okay, so for some of us, as we've already said, working through the Ten Commandments, for some of us, we kind of approach the Ten Commandments a little bit like a tick list. And and a quick glance of them, we might say, well, I think I can meet most of them. I think I'm okay on most of them. And this might be one of the ones that we say, well, do you know, I'm okay. I do okay on this one. I'm fine. It's no problem. For others of us, we might look at the Ten Commandments and we just say, well, actually, they're just an outdated list of ancient rules. They're actually no use nowadays, and we should just ignore them. I don't have to bear any... um, uh, I don't need to feel the weight or, or, or really take any notice of them in my life. But actually, as we look at the Ten Commandments, we realise that through them, God is speaking to us in a deep way about who he is, about what we're really like, and what a life looks like with him at the centre, empowered by his Holy Spirit as he lives out through us. So why is this commandment important? What's so important about this? You might be thinking, well, surely God's God's big enough. Surely he's old enough to to cope with a little bit of name-calling, perhaps. Doesn't doesn't he know the saying? Do you know in in, uh, England we have a saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Have you heard that if you're from a different nation? Have you heard people saying that? 
Sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. It's not true, but we say it. See, in the Bible, your name is really important, and it's more than just what people call you. See, we choose names for a variety of different reasons, don't we? In fact, uh, did you know that the name Eric has increased by 314% since Simon Cowell named his baby Eric? (laughs) Simon Cowell's a judge on the X Factor, Raj. I know you don't watch that programme. Favourite programme. Or... Harper. Why would children be calling their, 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 why would parents be calling their children Harper? Yeah, David and Victoria Beckham's uh, daughter. Harper is now in the top 100 names. Harper Seven. Elsa. From the movie Frozen is now the top 75th girl's name. And even Olaf and Kristoff have been registered as names. It's true. And there is expected to be an increase in the name of whatever Prince William and Prince Kate call their next child. Or what about where you work? Listen, if you are in the wrestling profession, your name is really important and you may need to change it because of it. When I was a kid, when I were a lad, just about, Big Daddy was the wrestling star. But he had to change his name because Shirley Crabtree is not a good wrestling name. Terry Hollier is okay as a wrestling name, maybe, but Hulk Hogan is better. See, in the Bible, we're often told the meaning of people's names. Abraham is exalted father, and God says, no, no, I have great plans. You are going to be father of many nations. Jacob Jacob means twister, schemer. He tricks his brother and his father into getting the father's um, firstborn blessing. His older brother Esau says, doesn't that name suit him? He's a deceiver, he's a twister. And God renames Jacob eventually and says, no, no, you are Israel. You'll be known as Israel. He struggles with God. Mary, when she is told that she is pregnant, both her and Joseph are told that they will name the child Jesus. The Greek version of the name Joshua, the Lord saves. See, your name revealed something about you. And in the Bible we see that God has revealed himself to us. It is the only way that we are to know him and know about him. See, men and women didn't discover God 
It wasn't through a process of years where actually we just discovered a bit more and then we realised, oh, there is a God. Oh, God, we've discovered you. And God was in a, a, a closet. Oh, oh, you found me. Oh, no. Yet you've realised there is a God. No, no, that's not it. God has revealed himself to us. We don't get to decide what God is like. I, well, I think God is, I think God's like this. My understanding of God is, is this. No, I think he's like this. No, no, he tells us what he's like. Neither do we get to say, well, actually, all religions have uh, a different angle on God. It's the same God, and it's just a different angle, so they've all got little bits of elements of truth. No, no, he tells us what he's like. And he tells us in the Bible. And very often, he does that through his name. So in today's commandment, it's the name YHWA. Some people have grappled with how it's said. Vowels have been added. Yahweh. Jehovah. Yahweh. It's how he has revealed himself. I am that I am. An English version could be eternal or always. But do you know its meaning is just much deeper than just those words. He is the eternal, self-existent, self-fulfilled, self-sufficient God. He is sovereign. He is in charge. He is unhindered in his freedom and resources. And his name stood for everything that means he is incredibly holy. In fact, his name was so sacred that the Israelites wouldn't pronounce it. So when they read scripture, instead of Yahweh, they would use the word Adonai, a replacement word that meant Lord, because they would not pronounce on their lips the name of the Lord. See, names establish personal relationship. You meet someone, you want to find out their name, don't you? It's one of the first questions we ask. What's your name? And it, you can sometimes know someone for a while without knowing their name, and you, you have to ask that question. I don't even know your name. And it suddenly changes the dynamic of the relationship. But we, we know one another's names. Do you find that? I, I meet people often um, working at Melbourne House and people coming in and going again you sometimes will meet people and actually just asking what's your name my name's Simon and then suddenly there's a personal there's there's something personal now there's there's a connection here it changes the dynamic see as we look at the history of God's people in the Old Testament we see that that's what's happened between Moses and Yahweh when God meets Moses at the burning bush in Exodus 3 Moses says who shall I say who shall I say is sending me when they ask God says tell them I am sent you sent me to you this is what Andrew Wilson writes in his book, Incomparable. That's the right 
we had a discussion about how you pronounce that, that word, incomparable, incomparable, in his excellent book, Incomparable. He says this, in revealing his name to Moses, Yahweh put himself in the most intimate relationship available with Moses. See, it's as if God is saying, I am all that I am, and I will be that for my people. And so it's by this name that God gradually reveals himself, who he is, and what he is like to the Israelite people. He will be known as, and is to be known as, Yahweh will provide. Yahweh, your healer. Yahweh is peace. Yahweh is our righteousness. Yahweh is present. Yahweh, my shepherd, and others. So God's name stands for who he is, what he is like, and how we are to know him. See, we've been... It's so wonderful to just sing, isn't it? Amazing truths of who God is. And no, do you know, this is, this is our God. It tells me, it says of who he is, how wonderful he is. And he tells us that he does not want us to misuse his name, to take it in vain. Because by doing so, we misrepresent and distort who he is and how he's revealed himself. So how do we misuse God's name? The next few minutes might be a little challenging. There might be things that make you even feel perhaps uncomfortable, but having prepared this week, you'll know how I felt all week. As God has challenged me, and you kind of live with, okay, do you, know, do you, do you ever get that as you read scripture? Perhaps you read the Bible, and, or you, you study something, and, and you suddenly, oh, do you know, this is really uncomfortable, God's really poking me about this. I, 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 and and it's, it's, so, so I, as, I, as I've prepared, it's kind of out of a heart of uncomfortableness in myself, and challenge in myself. And I hope it will help you this morning. So we misuse God's name by using him to justify our own desires. See, clearly there's been some dreadful examples of this in the last hundred years. (coughs) For instance, many churches in Nazi Germany uh, aligned themselves with Nazism, justifying the evil practices in the name of God. And there were faithful men like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who stood up and said, no, no, not in God's name. And in 1942, he said, the great masquerade of evil has played havoc with all our ethical concepts. Masquerade, that, it's that, that picture of, do you, do you know like those old-fashioned balls where people have masks and they, they carry masks to hide who they are? In other words, humans have used masks to make evil look good. They've misused God's name to hide evil. And then he said this, Who stands fast? Only the man whose final standard is not his reason, his principles, his conscience, his freedom, or his virtue, but who is ready to sacrifice all this 
when he is called to be obedient and respons- when he is called to obedient and responsible action in faith and in exclusive allegiance to God. So he ended up losing his life for that stand. So maybe it might be hugely world impacting misuse like that. Or it may actually be well, do you know what? I'm sure God would actually want me to be happy. So, so actually by pursuing that relationship with that person that's not my husband, that person that's not my wife, actually by, do you know, by having that affair, well, I, I, I'm pursuing happiness, surely, and God wants me to be happy. Um, I'm, I'm doing what he would want. Well, we justify selfishness and greed don't you know that Jesus said we came to have life to the full and that means more money, more things more jobs, more possessions only good things well well maybe but Jesus also tells us that that life to the full is going to include persecution it's going to include hardship, it's going to include suffering it's going to include self-denial so that's why knowing God through his word is so important We line up our desires and our actions with his word. Or else we end up with some prosperity-type gospel, Christianity, that says, do you know, material blessing, more stuff, more money, more jobs, less problems, that equals God's favour. And if you're not experiencing that, well, then clearly you don't have enough faith. I'm making a bit of a caricature, I'm sure. Maybe not. It's wrong. It's misuse. So that's why I'd recommend these Theology Thursdays, these God, looking at God's big picture evenings. You know, not just picking out verses, taking them totally out of context, just to suit ourselves, but seeing what's the big sweep of God's great storyline, of his purposes in world history and in our lives. So there's another way of misusing God's name as well. It's quite similar. Do you know when you meet Christians, you kind of say, well, do you know I've got some special knowledge about God that, well, you just wouldn't know about. It's, it's really only for special disciples. You wouldn't really understand it by reading the Bible and following Jesus and walking in his spirit. No, 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 this is, this is, this is special. This is special revelation. They might even talk in a mystical, spooky way. They might even talk a little bit quieter when they do it. And it kind of makes you feel like, I'm not even a good enough Christian to, to, to even know what they're on about. It's misusing his name. Listen, go back, listen to Phil's preach from last week about what it means to be in Christ. And all the blessing and privilege of being in Christ. Listen, this is what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1. We've been given everything we need for a godly life. Everything is yours. Or we may use his his name as a kind of magical formula. You know, we've been told, pray in Jesus' name. And that's right. Peter prays there's a man that can't walk. Peter prays in the name of Jesus Christ and he's healed. 
Paul casts out a demon from someone in the name of Jesus. See, healing, prayer, ministry isn't done from any kind of, any special power in us, but rather it's it's Jesus doing something in the person. His name has authority. But we can kind of treat it like a magic formula, can't we? A phrase we just have to add on to the end of a prayer, and then it'll be answered. We've twisted God's hand arm. We've said the special phrase. No, no. Rather, he wants us to know that Jesus' name has authority. I'm praying this in the name of Jesus. I'm not doing this in Sarush's power. I'm not doing this in Lynn's power. I'm not doing this in Josh's power. I'm doing this in Jesus' name because he has authority. How about hypocrisy when our words and our actions don't match up? When I tell people I'm a Christian and my actions are very different, I'm misusing God's name. What about blasphemy, cursing God? The punishment for cursing God in the Old Testament was death. Blasphemy was really serious. And you know, it's not uncommon today to walk down one of our high streets and hear the name of Jesus to hear Christ in the streets. But unfortunately, it's not for the right reasons. Rather as a curse or in shock. And I suspect there would be very few of us here who would call ourselves Christians who would perhaps say the name of Jesus like that. But what about how else we use the name of God? We can often say, praise the Lord so often it kind of loses all its meaning oh oh I'll think there's ham in the fridge praise the Lord oh I've got a mobile signal here praise the Lord I do it I know I do listen this is what Michael Horton one Bible teacher says about it casual use of God's name is prohibited precisely because it wears away our sensitivity to the enormous reverence we owe it. No, I'm not saying suddenly be the blasphemy priest, uh, police. Priest? The blasphemy police. Alison, you said hallelujah. Did you really mean it? No, no I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm just, I'm just saying, be aware. In our, in our banter, that's a northeast word, isn't it? In our banter. In our, in our banter, in our chat. You know, let's not rob phrases of their significance and their weight. Let's not rob phrases like Psalm 68, verse 19. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Saviour, who daily daily bears our burdens. And finally, we can misuse God's name when we choose not to believe who he says he is in his names. He is, Yahweh will provide. Yahweh, my, our provider. But when as a Christian I find myself in a situation where I'm really not trusting him to meet my needs, I'm misusing his name. When there is difficulty in my life and I'm praying for him to do something, but I'm constantly worried and I'm asking, I'm not asking for him to bring me his peace. I'm misusing his name because he is 
Yahweh, my peace. Yahweh, our peace. I can kind of turn worry into almost a, a kind of something to be almost admired. No, no, no. This is peace. So, how do we live in the goodness of this commandment? I hope you've seen that. You know, this third commandment isn't simply just not cursing when you hit your thumb with a hammer while putting in some nails. No, no, it's more. The Ten Commandments reveals to us something so incredibly deep. They tell us about God, what he's like. They show us what we're truly like, that our hearts have wandered far from him. They, sh- they show us that we're in need of rescue. And they also show us what this new life in Christ is going to look like. See, Jesus used the name of God very differently to those that were around him in his day. In fact, in fact, whilst the Jewish leaders were looking to kind of catch him out with his words, he was pretty clear about what he said about himself. He told them that, I think this is in John 8, he told them he was, that Abraham looked forward to his day, to seeing his day, and they said, well, Jesus, you're, you're not old enough to, see, to have seen Abraham. I mean, that was almost 2,000 years ago. And Jesus says this, before Abraham was. I am. And they pick up stones to stone him because they knew exactly what he was saying about himself. The very phrase God uses is his name, I am. Jesus is saying, I'm God. I'm amongst you. I'm here with you. You want to know God? Look at me, says Jesus. That's why Paul writes in Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God. See, in Jesus, we encounter God in a totally different way. See, when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, he says, Our Father, this is how to pray, Our Father in heaven. He says, look, this is the intimacy I have with the Father. And it's what I'm inviting you into. But not only that, He dealt with the consequences of our misuse of God's name. He took it on himself. He was willing to take the death that we deserved for that and be nailed to a cross. Isn't that amazing? Every thought, every action, every lack of action that has brought dishonour to God's name, to the creator of heaven and earth, was forgiven at the cross it's forgiven at the cross this is amazing the God of the universe the creator of all things beaten and hung on a cross to die but in it so defeating death defeating its power defeating sin and in victory and in resurrection declaring victory 
and bringing new life to all those who receive him. So that we might be able to say, Yahweh is our righteousness. I'm righteous. I'm righteous in Christ. See, it's not simply Yahweh is righteous. That'd sound okay, wouldn't it? No, no, his name is Yahweh our righteousness. He's become, he's become our, God has become my righteousness. It's now not dependent on what I can do, how I can impress him, how I can earn his favour. No, no, now I'm given the righteousness of Christ. Now it's given freely to me because of his work at the cross and in his resurrection. Yahweh has become my, our righteousness. See, it is through Jesus that God gains the greatest glory due to his name. See, about 400 years, I'm going to finish with this. When preachers say that, you know they're not really finished, don't you? Um, (laughs) About 400 years before Jesus, uh, the Old Testament prophet Malachi prophesied that God was not pleased that in their hearts the Israelites had wandered from him. And they had returned to Jerusalem, I think it was out of Persian captivity, uh, for all you Iranians and others of a Persian descent. And do you know, after an initial return to God's ways, not long after, they were back to neglecting worship. They were back to forgetting what it truly meant to be the people of God. God says, you know, it would be better. It would be better, he says, prophesied through Malachi. It would be better if you just shut the gates to the temple. So you can't keep coming in and coming with such half-hearted worship. In fact, he uses such strong words. He says... Do you know, it, it's so bad, I, it makes me want to just get the, the innards of the, the animal sacrifices you're bringing and rub it in your faces. He is not impressed at all. But he says this, My name will be great among the nations, from the rising to the setting of the sun. He says, For I am a great king, and my name will be feared among the nations. See, in Christ, we find this is fulfilled. We find God's name going from Jerusalem out to the nations. He is, as Paul says in Philippians 2, the name above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And so in finishing, how do we ultimately honour the name of Jesus? By putting our trust in him. By receiving him. He calls us to do this personally. And he calls us on mission. He catches us up in his name, going to the nations, as was prophesied in Malachi. We're empowered by the Spirit, and he enables us to live lives that honour God's name. And he empowers us to share the good news of Jesus 
in the places that you and I are put. So whether it's going halfway around the world, like Paul and Jill, or whether it's going a few doors down the street, we're called to share and tell the love of Jesus as he goes to the nations, as he makes his name famous amongst the nations, to bring honour to his name. Did you know that? Listen, you are not saved simply so that you can go to heaven when you die, as wonderful as that is. You and I are caught up in declaring the goodness of Jesus' name. Making his name known among the nations. He chooses to use you and I. What a privilege. He chooses to use you and I. What are the places where he is calling you to tell of, to share his name in your actions, in your words? Where is it? In your school, in your university, in your workplace, in your home. in your street, in your neighbourhood, in your family, in your relationships? Where is he calling you to declare his goodness? So we're going to pray, and then we're going to respond in worship, and we're going to take up our offering as well. But I would just like us for a minute just to come in prayer to God. Lord Jesus, we honour you and love you because you have come to us. Thank you, you know, for many of us, there was a day we hated your name. We reviled your name. But actually now, because of your amazing grace, we love your name. We love it. Because you have come to us because you have given your life for us, because you have defeated death and sin. And we now find ourselves in the righteousness of Christ. God has become and is our righteousness. Just allow the Holy Spirit, he's here amongst us this morning, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you, to speak deep truths to you right now. He's, he's wanting to encourage us this morning. He's wanting to stir us afresh to the great purposes of God that his name will be known among the nations 
and he calls you and I. And he uses and equips you and I in that. In the places that you find yourself. Maybe even think of the places you might find yourself this week. He's equipped you. He's called you. So that the name of Jesus might be declared and honoured in these places. Thank you, it's wonderful. As I was praying this morning, you know, I believe this is for all of us, but I particularly wanted to pray for those who work in public services. Perhaps you work in school, perhaps you work in the health service, perhaps it's the police, perhaps it's the local authority, the council. I just want to take a moment to pray for you. Why don't you, if you work in one of those areas, either voluntary or paid, or you have influence in one of those areas, would you just stand up? I want us, just want us to pray for these guys in those areas. Lord, would you enable them? Would you empower them? Holy Spirit, come right now. Fill them afresh with your empowering presence. For their week this week for their weeks ongoing. Encourage them, stir them, that they may declare the name of Jesus in their words, in their actions, that they might know that Yahweh is present. He's with me. He's with me in those places. I know he's with me. I don't have to fear. I'm I'm caught up in his great purposes. I I bring the presence of God as I go into that place. Give them great sensitivity, even this week, to hear you, to respond to your promptings this week in their work and voluntary places. And you know, I just want to pray for a minute for anyone perhaps here who doesn't know Jesus. Perhaps you're here and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Listen, later on we're going to have coffee and uh, you may meet someone you don't know. You might ask their name. Listen, don't miss the opportunity of meeting Jesus this morning, perhaps the first time. Don't miss the opportunity of learning his name, of receiving him. You can do, you can do that right today. You can say, Jesus, I'm, I'm, let, I'm letting you in. I'm, I'm choosing you to be Lord in my life. 
I'm recognising my deep need for you. And I'm asking you to be Lord and to come into my life. And for you to be my righteousness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the great purposes you've caught us up in. Thank you for your great love. Thank you, you are going to the nations. Thank you, you are changing and impacting Teesside. Thank you that you are going to nation after nation after nation with the good news of Jesus. Amen.